Today I'd like to focus on our first reading from the prophet Amos and then tie it into the commemoration today of St. Maria Goretti. Uh, St. Maria Goretti uh, is a martyr for the virtue of chastity. She was only 12 years old uh, when she died to, pre- to preserve her chastity. Okay, this, so the story goes like this. This is in Italy. It's 1902. And she came from a family. I think her, if I'm not mistaken, I think her father died and, you know, her mother was raising her and I think five or six other kids. And, uh, very dire economic circumstances they were in. And so what they did is they, they moved to this area that was malaria infested. It was this terrible, terrible area in Italy. It was all, it was all swamp and there's tons of mosquitoes and, you couldn't get anybody to work there except the poorest of the poor. So that was, and they were doing some kind of agricultural work. And uh, so the poorest of the poor went and they set up shanties in this area in Italy. And that's that's what they did. So Maria's only 12 years old and her, her siblings and her mother uh, are out in the fields one afternoon doing their work and she's home tending to certain chores that needed to be done in the house or in the, the apartment or wherever it was that they were living. And uh, there's a, a, another youth from another family, working family there, that entered the house and tried to tried to basically force her okay, to have sex with them. And uh, she's only 12 years old. He was probably, I think, 17 or 18. Um, and so it started to become a struggle. And she was saying explicitly, she's a very, very devout family. Her mother's very devout. These are extremely devout, very simple people. Very low level of education, but extremely religious. Um, which today, unfortunately, sometimes you find that those two don't go together, unfortunately. Uh, you know, but back in the day, it was oftentimes the lower classes, the poorer people who were the most religious in any event. Um, she started yelling, no, this is a sin. God does not want to, want you to do this. If, this is a mortal sin. If you do this, you're going to go to hell. And, uh, she basically at some point during the struggle says, uh, I would rather I would rather die than that you do this. And the guy had a, a sharp implement of something on hand, like a knife, and he started to stab her. He was basically trying to kill her, and he stabbed her like eleven times. And she she was able to kind of get up, believe it or not, and go to the door. And as she was she would lay her hand on the doorknob, he he stabbed her another few times, and, and she finally collapsed. And then all the, the struggle and the commotion brought the attention of, of the neighbors and people come running in and they're like, what's going on? They see this guy and here she is, she's a 12-year-old girl, a bloody mess on the floor. So they bring her to the hospital and they're working on her furiously and uh, it's not looking good. But she, and she's passing in and out of consciousness and they're not using any uh, any painkillers Okay, at that time. They didn't have very good painkillers and sometimes they weren't at, at hand. And so in this case, they, they, they were working on her. And, and the doctors were very devout, too. And so one of the doctors says to her, Maria, think of me when you get to heaven. And she says, and again, this is the, shows how spontaneous her response is, how religious and devout they were. She says, uh, how do we know who will, who will go there first? And he says to her, Maria, you'll go there first. And because they knew that they couldn't save her, she only had a certain limited amount of time left. 
And um, so she says, I will gladly think of you. And so she lived for only about maybe 20 hours more. Um, but during that time, she was conscious. For a lot, a lot of that time, she was conscious. And her mother came in and spent the last hours of her life with her. And she explicitly said to her mother, and her mother testified to this at Maria's canonization, that she forgave the guy who killed her and that she wanted to uh, see him in heaven. Pretty amazing, huh? So she died, and the guy himself was put in prison. They kind of gave him a little bit. They didn't give him life because um, they gave him a 30-year sentence because he was a teenager. Um, probably the mothers out there are saying, I would have thrown him away for life. But, uh, you know, bad guy, bad guy, no doubt. Um, he was not repentant. He was not repentant. But a few years later, while he was in prison... Maria appears to him in a dream. And she's glorious, she's glorified, she's in heaven. And she says to him, I forgive you. And he comes to his senses and he's, <laughs> he realizes the, the gravity and the, the seriousness of what, what's going on here. And uh, with the help of actually the bishop, the bishop comes and visits him a number of times, he's able to come to repentance. And after his 30-year sentence, he gets out and he joins a Franciscan community and he kind of, he never becomes a monk, but he serves the Franciscan community as an extern and lots of times connected to monasteries or someone that goes out and gets them groceries and does their, does the chores in the outside world for them. So that's how he ends off his life. And he's actually present at St. Maria's, uh, canonization that took place like 35, 40 years later. And he sits next to her mother who's still alive. And her mother forgives him because she says, well, if Maria forgives him, then I can forgive him. So a really amazing story. And uh, my reflection on this, though, is is not have to do with forgiveness. Last year when I preached about her, I talked about forgiveness. This year I'd like to talk about chastity, though, and poverty. Uh, we see in Amos, as we do so often in the Old Testament prophets, how God is really, really not happy with people who oppress the poor. I mean, this is a common theme, like the big sins in the Old Testament that God is going to wipe out a nation for are idolatry and oppressing the poor. Those are huge, huge issues to God. So, um, you know, I look at St. Maria's situation and condition. There was really an unjust economic situation going on that forced all these poor people to live in these shanties. Now, I think to myself, if she was like middle class or upper, she had a better living situation. Uh, there wouldn't be of this weird situation where this kid could just walk right in the house. You know, her chastity would have been preserved. She would have been safe. But it's because her mother had to leave, the family had to leave, the people were living on top of each other. I mean, go to our, go to places today in Wayne County where immigrants are all living together. They're on top of each other. I mean, it could have been the exact same situation could, could happen today in one of these immigrants, um, you know, Farmhouses. Okay, so uh, this is really the exploitation of the poor that forces this situation so that chastity can't be preserved. Today we're rich and we throw away all our boundaries <laughs> so that the the vice of unchastity spreads like wildfire. 
you know. We don't have boundaries today. Um, we don't have to open up our doors for the bad guys because we've got internet. And we voluntarily open up the doors to the bad guys and we let pornographers and everything else come into the sanctuary of our homes and through the television screen and everything else. Uh, you know, but economics is still behind a lot of unchastity and a lot of issues. You know, so for example, oh, well, we don't oppress the poor like that today. We don't. Think about international, this is something that comes to my mind. Think about international corporations. Um, you know, what happens, these international corporations have seriously affected the social fabric and the moral fabric of the entire world. And how they've done that is simply by exploiting labor. So, you know, you've got this huge company, it's billions of dollars worth, net worth, and they are able to go overseas to find work. And so they're like, well, I'm not going to pay Americans 13 bucks an hour to do my work. I'm going to pay people in India or China or Africa 12 cents an hour to do my work. Woo! Great profits. Okay? And, of course, there's all this exploitation that takes place of these the people, you know, in, the, in these developing countries. But it's really exploitative for people back in the home country. Because what happens is that cheap labor makes everybody get paid less. And so at this point, a dual-income family is like a necessity. No longer can you make a living wage. You have to have both people, virtually, almost every situation. You've got to have both people working. And that really takes away from the moral fabric of the family with the, with the mother not able to be more present. She would like to be more present oftentimes. And uh, the kids then run riot and they are, you know, getting into all sorts of trouble and unchastity spreads. So these are just small examples and the, the examples could be multiplied, but there's a real connection between uh, greed and materialism and, and um, the vice of unchastity. So let's, let's see that root problem um, that God is looking at and he's saying, you know, you need to uh, uh, govern your country economically in a just fashion and your people in a just fashion. Um, that kind of economic justice will lead to a scenario and a situation that's going to be better morally uh, for everybody.